As we continue in our sermon series, Everyday Epiphanies, we're hearing about a story today from Luke chapter 4, where Jesus is in his hometown synagogue. He's reading a scripture from Isaiah, and he reveals himself to be the Messiah. But in that revelation to the people gathered there, he also faces rejection. So though they hear this amazing teaching and they recognize he is someone of great significance, when he reveals their own hearts to them, when he epiphanies their own perspective, he faces rejection and there is some irony in the story. And so as we dig into it today, I just want to put your, put your minds and hearts in hearing how we might also find ourselves in the same place as those who heard Jesus preaching that day in Galilee. Let's listen to this reading from Luke. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scriptures you've just heard have been fulfilled this very day. Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be, they asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? Then he said, You will undoubtedly quote me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself, meaning do miracles here in your hometown like those you did in Capernaum. But I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. Certainly, there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the heavens were closed for three and a half years and a severe famine devastated the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. And many in Israel had leprosy in the time of Elisha, but the only one healed was Naaman, a Syrian. When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. Jumping up, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff, but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. So a lot of things happen in this story. I want to break down a couple of them for you so we don't get lost in some of the details. So as Jesus enters his hometown, he's coming off of sort of a preaching and miracle tour. He's been in the surrounding area, healing the sick, casting out demons, uh, and been preaching the word. And his reputation was growing extremely fast. And in his own hometown, people knew his parents. They were expecting some of the same miracles, the same authoritative teaching. They were expecting to find a hometown celebrity right there in their midst. But Jesus, he knew what was in their hearts. He knew they were just looking for some of the fame to be revealed, but to actually understand that he was the Messiah, that he was going to bring about salvation for Israel in a way that went against some of their expectations, He knew that they wouldn't accept his message. This is kind of a theme of Jesus' ministry throughout the whole Gospels. And it's connected to a theme that was present even in the Old Testament when God sent his prophets to his people. So that's why Jesus makes a connection to the stories of Elijah and Elisha in this text, in this story. 
So I want to break those down for you as well. Elijah was sent to bring to a widow in Zarephath, an area that was not Jewish by origin. It was outside of Israel. So in the time of Elijah, there was... um, there was great evil happening throughout the land. And Elijah was sent by God to proclaim a message of repentance to God's people. But he ultimately was rejected. They didn't want to hear his message. And so when a famine came and the people all of a sudden were crying out to God for help, God sent Elijah, his servant, not to his own people who had already rejected him, but to an outsider to provide food for this widow. And in that message, we see a foreshadowing of the way in which God was sending his son, not only to his own people, but also to the world outside of the nation of Israel. In the same way, we hear about this one phrase of Elisha, who was sent to heal a ruler, Naaman, in a place called Syria. Syria, again, was outside of Israel, but Elisha, just like his predecessor Elijah, was rejected by his own people. The people of God didn't want to hear Elisha's message. They were embracing the message of other false prophets that were just telling them what they wanted to hear. So Elisha was sent to to give relief to the Syrian Naaman. And in doing so, again, foreshadow the way in which Jesus was going to come for more than just Israel, but maybe, indeed, certainly for the entire world. So what's going on in this story? Why do the people respond so negatively to Jesus when it seems like they're so excited to hear his message? Well, remember, these people were excited about this hometown celebrity. They were so happy to have the hero uh, back in town to hear him preach in the synagogue because they'd been hearing about all the amazing things he was doing out there in other places. But Jesus knew their hearts. He knew that their motivations were somewhat twisted. They just wanted some of that glory for himself. And so when he revealed that he was the Messiah, rather than understanding that his message was one of repentance and glorifying God, they wanted to to hang on the coattails of Jesus' glory, of his miracles. And when he said that he wasn't going to just perform miracles so that they could feel good about themselves, when he said that uh, he was predicting they would reject his message, coincidentally, that's exactly what happened. So they were clamoring for miracles. They wanted Jesus to to do great things, to make the name of Nazareth great. But instead, Jesus' truthful message of how he was the Messiah was rejected by them. They drove him to the edge of town. Nazareth was built on this hill, and if they pushed him over, they were intending to kill him. And in that moment, ironically enough, Jesus miraculously slips through their grip slips through the crowd, and he goes on his way to somewhere else. You know, we too, though we exist outside of that Jewish covenant of God, we don't, we, many of us do not have the bloodline that tie us into that physical covenant through the calling of Abraham all the way down to Jesus. We have heard God's message. And in faith, we have been grafted into that covenant. We have been welcomed into the family of God. And so you and I have that same expectation That when we hear God's word, we would respond to it in joy. And we wouldn't demand things of God. We wouldn't just say that you've got to show up in miraculous ways, otherwise we're not going to believe in you. We're called to have that faith each and every day, even in the tough days, even in the times where it seems like God is distant, we're called to believe in his message. But we're human people. We struggle with brokenness. We're sinful We want God to show up in amazing ways. We feel like our lives might be boring or our lives might be mundane or the things that we do aren't worthy of God's attention. 
but we want a miracle from God. We're, cl- we're clamoring for him. We want him to show up in big ways. And so when we face tragedy or difficulty or stress or the heaviness of life upon us, we begin to feel a little bit maybe like those people who heard Jesus' message in the synagogue. We start thinking, you know what, Jesus, you say all these great things. You reveal, you, you know, you, you revealed your glory in the past. I've heard about people that you've done amazing things for even today, but why aren't you doing it in my life? Why aren't you showing up here where I need you? Why aren't you doing amazing things for me? And maybe you're, you're a Christian who's been walking with God for a long time and you're like, I've been with you my whole life. Why aren't you helping me out this one time? I maybe never asked you for anything, but now, why won't you heal this person? Why won't you provide this need for me? Why won't you call this person into a better relationship with me? Why won't you make things easier for me? We struggle with God. But I wonder too, just like Jesus miraculously slipped through the grip of that crowd on the hill of Galilee, Isn't it somewhat of a miracle that our eyes are closed to the ways in which he shows up in our life? Isn't it amazing that we seem to often miss the fact that he shows up even in the everyday, the mundane, the boring, the rhythm of life? That even in a time of great hopelessness, he still is dwelling with us? That might seem miraculous. It might seem surprising as our minds begin to turn to the fact that Jesus is with us even now. Even if we're not getting the answer from him that we want, even if we're not getting the amazing miracle or the sign that we are begging him for, he still says, I am with you. And I think that's the miracle we really need to focus on. He meets us where we need him, not always where we want him to be. He meets us how we need him, not always how we want him to show up. As broken people with limited perspective, with a a foolish understanding of life compared to the great wisdom of God. All we know is this. God has said, the son he sent provides saving grace for the whole world. His blood on the cross is an atonement for everyone. And for those who believe in him, the spirit is poured out. They are called to faith and the spirit dwells in them. And that means that even in those hard times even in those difficult moments, even in those strained relationships, even in those those sickened lives, those times where we just want God to provide relief, in those times of suffering, God has met us even there. It might not be the revealed glory that we want. It might not be the epiphany that we've been asking for. But it just might be the epiphany that we need. Jesus has sent his spirit to be with us now in the everyday, in the mundane, in the ins and outs of life, in the the rhythm of life that seems like it's not special, in our own hometown style of living. God has met us here. Let's pray that he would open our eyes up to the ways that he shows up each and every day, even if it's not this great miracle, this great sign. The, The creator of the universe who sent a son to save us has given his spirit to dwell in our hearts. Let's focus on that miracle. Let's focus on the fact that God has given us what we need and it's so much greater than maybe what we want. How has God shown up in your life each and every day? Amen.